When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio, Oilers. 630 Chad. So the Anaheim Ducks take over sole possession of second place in the Pacific Division, knocking off the Edmonton Oilers 4-3 tonight. The Oilers remain in third, two behind Anaheim, one point ahead of the Calgary Flames. It was a game that Anaheim really took control of in the second period, outshooting the Oilers 26 and outscoring them 2-0. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It's 11.07 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Connor McDavid gets three points tonight. Mark Letestu gets a goal, his 15th of the season. That's a new career high, but a rare off night for Cam Talbot and the Oilers unable to bail their goaltender out. Talbot was actually pulled after allowing four goals on 18 shots. Laurent Brassois went the rest of the way. He made saves on all 16 pucks that he faced. You can reach us at 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Well, Rob, I mean, the shots were 15-6 for the Oilers in the first period, and they only come out of it with a 2-2 tie, and then really all Anaheim in the second period, 20-6 were the shots, and that really was where they took control of this game and spelled doom for Edmonton. Well, the second period, Tone was set with 30 seconds to go in the first period when Lindholm scores a goal. The Oilers dominated the first period. If they get out of the first period with a lead, they feel good about themselves. They got momentum going into the second period. Instead, they give up a late goal. It's 2-2. Anaheim now feels good considering they played terribly in the first, have a tie. Going into the second period, they have the momentum, and it showed as they score an early, early goal, and then they just dominated. Uh, I mean, the Oilers started getting into penalty trouble. They they couldn't get the puck out of their own zone. Some miscommunications, uh, some goaltending, uh, subpar goaltending in the second period, and all that added up to a two-goal Anaheim lead going into the third, and it was just too much for the Oilers to overcome. So to me, the second period was set up by a late goal that the Oilers gave up on a miscommunication defending and allowed Anaheim to tie it up going into the first intermission. Yeah, and we've talked a lot this year about details and that the Oilers being better at them. Well, the goaltending detail was not there tonight. Too many penalties. I mean, I realized Anaheim didn't score on the power play, but the Oilers were shorthanded five times for over nine minutes tonight. That takes you out of your rotation. It causes you to to lose momentum. A lot of puck battles. The Oilers just weren't as engaged in as as we've come to expect. And and not enough guys around the net. Now, you have to have the puck, obviously, to get guys around the net. But, I mean, except for a couple flurries in the third period when the Oilers were getting a, a, a little desperate, just not enough traffic around Bernier and a lot of those tight-in goals that they've been able to score this year. Yeah, give Anaheim some credit. The way they played defensively after the first period, they, they uh, won the battles they needed to win. They, they kept the front of the net clear, and part of it was the Oilers weren't getting there and they weren't putting pucks there. So it was a game that the Oilers let get away. And again, the the Lindholm goal, the Oilers have players back. And in a miscommunication between Cassian and Griba uh, allowed Lindholm to get wide open. Then the second period come out, um, Manson skates up the middle of the ice. And it's not McDavid coming down on your Crosby or Malkin. And they allowed him to come all the way into the to the top of the circles. They backed right up. Now, it wasn't a great goal on Talbot, but still, you can't allow a Manson, and who, who is a good defensive player, but he's not an offensive 
uh, genius. Don't let him to come across the blue line. Instead, he comes all the way to the top of the circles. He rips one in. So all of a sudden, another mistake right there, a mental mistake, gives Anaheim that goal, and Anaheim just fed off of that. 4-3, Anaheim wins it tonight. Lindholm, a strong game. He gets three points. He's the first star tonight. Ricard Raquel, who's having a huge season for the Ducks, his 32nd goal of the year stood up as the game winner. He's the second star, and Ryan Getzlaff with three assists is the third star. Rob and I give out the fourth star of the game for Mishner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Uh, to me, it's an easy one. Connor McDavid, a goal and two assists. He had three points tonight and didn't give up to the end. I mean, he set up a, a great goal at the very end where he picked the puck up in his own zone with about 12 seconds to go in the period and in the game and then skated the length of the ice and set up a goal, giving them uh, a brief glimpse of a hope that they could score in the final eight seconds. It didn't come to be, but Connor McDavid, to me, was the four-star of the game. All right. The adjustment of the game was obviously the goaltending change, so that leads into a possible adjustment for tomorrow for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better with help from your chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. It's well, not up to us, but who plays goal tomorrow? Well, to, to me, with the Oilers' loss today, the game in Colorado's importance just went up. They, they can't afford to lose in Colorado if they want to have a chance at the division or have a chance at home ice in the first round. So you got to go with your best lineup. Your best lineup, lineup is Cam Talbot in net. So uh, we have not seen Cam have many off nights this year. We have not, certainly not see him, seen him have back-to-back off nights so I go with Cam Talbot and, and hope that he is the goalie that we've seen through 60-some so, games this year. He gives you the best chance to win, so that's who I'd go with. His shutout streak ending tonight after 148 minutes and 18 seconds. The Ducks beat the Oilers 4-3 tonight. We should, we should mention, Rob, I mean, obviously we're in the 6-3 Chet studio. Bob and Jack saw a replay in Honda Center. We did not get to see that replay on the telecast we were watching. It, Bob and Jack believe that the Oilers' third goal should not have counted because of offside. Unfortunately, we can't we, we can't come. I mean, we, the only angle we saw was an aerial camera uh, or an aerial shot from way up high where you couldn't see Maroon's feet because no. he was right along the boards. I mean, the, the offside, I mean, whether that goal counted or not, they were, <laughs> we're getting another one in eight seconds. No. But, but it's... it's, it's, it's uh, it's become a confusing... Here's the thing. Offside, to me, was always so black and yeah. white. And now, you know, as the guys skate off the ice, we saw that highly unusual play in the Nashville game where I think it was Arvidsson was 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 jumping. jumping. And because both... And that's the weird thing about that rule. Because both feet were in the air, they pretended like both feet were on the ice. And we didn't see the one tonight, but it's it sounded like it was uh, pretty touchy. Well, yeah. And, and you and I watched the one in the Toronto game the other day that... To, to me, it was uh, blatant offside. It, it, it couldn't be any more offside than it was, and it it came back and it was fine. And I'm like, okay, I don't I don't get the rule anymore. To me, I, again, I, I agree. It used to be black and white. It, if your feet go in before the puck, it's offside. Yet there's been some weird calls this year. Now I don't know if it has anything to do with the fact that. We get to see it on a normal-sized TV, and the linesman has to reverse his own call while looking at a little teeny mini iPad. Like uh, My eyes, I can barely see the puck on the, the big screen that we're watching. I certainly could make a decision on watching it, looking at a mini pad. So I, I don't know what, uh, what an offside is anymore, and it, it didn't mean nothing tonight. But if there's confusion, and obviously you saw Randy Carlisle was talking to the referee after the game. He didn't understand it. What if this was a playoff game? 
What if it was a, a game-winning goal and there's uh, confusion uh, amongst the linesmen and amongst the coaches? So uh, something's got to be clarified. Hopefully the NHL will put out a clarification as to why this one was counted as a goal tonight. Yeah. Having said that, that's a, a debate maybe for another day, but we did want to touch on it yep. tonight. And if people are going to ask, unfortunately, Rob and I didn't get the view uh, Bob and Jack got. It appears the Oilers got a break, but doesn't matter. They lose 4-3 tonight to Anaheim Ducks. Quite frankly, the Oilers got a huge break in the first period as well. Darnell <laughs> Nurse should have got a high-sticking penalty. Um, a four-minute penalty. Four-minute four high-sticking penalty. So, I mean, they, they, they can't argue about uh, anything officiating related tonight. 4-3 uh, is, is the final. I uh, mentioned Talbot pulled uh, four goals on 18 shots. You can give us a call, 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. We're looking for a finish the play contestant tonight. Um, some, I thought especially the first period, Rob, I mean, there, there was some scrambly play both ways, mm-hmm. and, and that, I guess that's why you wind up with a four-goal period. Well, there was a lot of passes from one team to the other and blatant one by good hockey players. Uh, Fowler, I mean, he made a pass to Leon Dreisaitl that was just, there wasn't an Anaheim Duck anywhere near. Then Clefbaum the other way, makes a pass, puts a raid on, gets last stick, turns it coming back the other way. So uh, it was scrambly, a bunch of turnovers, a bunch of uh, communication problems. Goaltending wasn't up to par. And this was in a game between two teams fighting for a division title that were both coming into the game playing very, very well. So uh, sometimes the magnitude of the game uh, creates uh, some nervousness, some nervous hands. And considering this was probably the first big game that these teams played this year, maybe that was to account for what happened in the first period. The game seemed to settle down a little bit after that, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't a pretty game, and I don't think neither either coach is going to be totally ecstatic with the way his team's played for the 60 minutes. All right, let's hear from Edmonton Oilers coach Todd McClellan as they fall 4-3 to the Ducks. Is really the difference in this game uh, considering how the first and third went? Uh, I think an obvious answer to that would be yes, but um, I'm thinking a little bit more about the last... 25 seconds in the first where we had you know some control and some momentum and just a simple coverage got away on us and they gained a little life off of that um, second period we were uh, played a little more on our heels we took too many penalties and lost any type of rhythm we had in the game so we had guys that played a lot and guys that barely played and uh, momentum went in their favor so uh, third we started to settle down a little bit more but they're a very good hockey club that checks well and um, you know to come back Score three in a period, uh, especially on the road against them, is always a tough task. Did you need the moral fence from other people? I mean, your one line is dominant. Um, yes, but we also need more defense from more people. You know, so I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about the offensive part. I was concerned more tonight about the checking part. Um, we were loose coming into our zone. We missed numerous assignments that we normally have picked up we uh yeah well exactly like you know a number of of situations that we normally play pretty well and pretty tight but uh we didn't so i guess the answer to your question would be yeah we could we could get a little more from some other guys uh but also defensively if you're not producing offensively be uh be stellar defensively yeah Talbs would you know i the first one i'm sure he would he would be uh willing to take back but uh you know after that there were some hard shots and the last guy i'm going to complain about is cam talbot well we'll figure that out now after the game 
A little bit of that, and um, you know, I thought LB went in and played tremendous. He's worked so hard in practice, and um, he played a really good game in a tough situation going in, uh, you know, five on three basically. So um, made some good saves. All right, well, yeah, you're not going to complain about uh, Cam Talbot's uh, season. Obviously, he had back-to-back shutouts before this game. Uh, Rob, I-, I thought that the the word loose that McClellan used there is pre- is pretty fitting tonight. I-, I mean, coming off a game against L.A. where the Oilers, you know, were playing with a lot of energy, were hard uh, in-, in puck battles. I mean, when the Oilers are playing well and there's a race for the puck, you often see the Oiler player initiating the contact, you know, getting down low, putting a shoulder in there, a split second before they're at the puck. You know, not not enough for interference, but enough to make sure you're the guy given that first little jarring hit when going after the puck. And you didn't see that enough tonight. You, you didn't. And a lot of times when a team ha- runs off with some success, and the Oilers have had some success of, as of late, you, you get away from some of the details that uh, made you successful. You, you, th- you think that it was a little easier than it was. And I think that's what you saw with the Oilers tonight. They've been successful as of late, and they just didn't do all the little things that they have been doing. And that's not just something you see when the Oilers struggle. You go around any team in the National Hockey League, you know, Columbus runs off 16, 17 in a row, then they they lose a bunch after that because everything that they were doing was working. So you start to get a little bit away from your game and what made you successful, and you have to get pulled back in, and sometimes a a loss, and, uh, you know, you, you go back and you say, all right, you know what, we didn't do the things that we had been doing. Let's go back and get that game going again tomorrow. And that's the good thing about... That's what I always loved when you lost and you didn't play well, that you didn't have two or three days to sit on it. Yeah. You want to have a chance to go out there and make amends right away. And the others do tomorrow night in a big game in Colorado. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Brian on the line. Hi, Brian. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. You got a comment on the game or you just want to finish the play? Well, just a, a comment. Who would, uh, who would you guys rather see the Oilers play in the first round? Calgary, uh, and I guess Calgary. I guess there's a there's a few matchups. Few possibilities, possible, yeah. But, to, to, to but, me, uh, to me, I I'd, I'd prefer Calgary for a couple of reasons. One, they swept the season series, so obviously the the Oilers uh, match up well against the Flames. Not saying the Flames are, uh, are you would win that series automatically, but that was I'd want to see it because they match up. And to me, I want to see that because of the emotion that that series would bring. I just yeah, think I'm, it'd be such a great series to watch. First playoff series in a decade. Battle of Alberta, both teams playing well. That's the one I would like to see. Yeah, that that would that would be pretty awesome. Although uh, even with uh, with the Anaheim matchup, if they get Anaheim, I I kind of like I I kind of would wouldn't mind even that matchup. I I think the Oilers are better, obviously better than they they showed tonight. Um, and I, I mean I think they would have a pretty good chance to beat Anaheim as well. well. And the, the thing right now that has been brought into play that we never thought was going to be is San Jose Sharks are a possibility in the first round now too. Anaheim yeah. is two points behind San Jose with even right. amount of games left. So that, that's a possibility. You could play San Jose in the first round. And if Calgary hops over top of the Oilers, I mean, the Oilers could crisscross and go into the other conference and play the Chicago Blackhawks in the first round. Yeah. Now that's not, so, a, that's not a matchup I would like for the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, still lots of games left. Yep. 
Brian, we're going to finish the play. You've already won an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set We Park. Visit jetsetparking.com. If you're correct here, you'll be entered into the grand prize draw for $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. Here we go. Looking to convert. Getzlaff, one-timer off the post. Rebound, Silverberg off. All right, two quick chances for the Ducks. There was a post in the second period and then another quick shot on Brassois right after that. Did Brassois stop it or was it another goal post? That was another goal post, I believe. Looking to convert. Getzlaff, one-timer off the post. Rebound, Silverberg off the post again. Yeah, that was a crazy one. Brian, stay on the line. You win, finish the play tonight. Two posts about a second apart for Anaheim on the power play in the second period. They go on to beat the Oilers 4-3. If you want to chime in, 780-496-0063. You'll also hear from Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Sekra got it back to the point, a slapper into a crowd, and somehow kept out. Sekra got back in the blue paint and tugged it off the goal line. Another one squeezing through Talbot, and Sekra saved what would have been the 4-2 goal. All right, so Andre Sekera makes our save of the game tonight for Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. The Oilers lose 4-3 to the Ducks. That does it for their four-game winning streak. Cam Talbot was pulled in the second period. He allowed four goals on 18 shots. Laurent Brassois went the rest of the way. He stopped 16 of 16. Jonathan Bernier. The winning goaltender, 29 saves on 32 shots. Connor McDavid had three points this evening, including an assist on Mark Letestu's goal with eight seconds left. A rare six-on-three skater advantage for the Oilers at the end of the game. I've seen that a few times. I played in the minors, and Chris McSorley, Marty's brother, coached for Las Vegas, and they'd have the five-on-three in the middle of the second period, and he'd pull his goalie to make it a six-on-three. I tell you, when the other team has a six-on-three, they're going to score. And the Oilers eventually did. Uh, on that one, but the six on three was created by just a, a brain cramp by by Manson of the Anaheim Ducks. They're shorthanded. They have a two goal lead, minute to go in the hockey game, just over a minute to go in the hockey game. He grabs the puck out of the air and then throws it the length of the ice. There, there isn't a person in the building that hadn't didn't have their hand up to call a penalty on that. I don't know what he was thinking, and that actually opened the door. The Oilers had a six on three for a minute sixteen. They score one early. They're still going to have a power play uh, for the remainder. And unfortunately for the Oilers, I think they just took a little too much time looking for the perfect play to start with, wasted time, and then by the time they scored, they just simply didn't have enough time to get the second one. Text message here to 630-630 from Jay-Z, who says, when is Todd going to start making Eberly accountable? Give Slepeshev or Cassian a chance on the second line. Let Eberly watch a game or two from the press box. Well, I don't think they're going to move Cassian anywhere. I think that what we've seen as of late with Dayarnay, uh, Pouliot, and Cassian, uh, they've played well. And the Oilers, for the first time, have had a third line that is productive and can be productive. So I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, you, I mean, the Eberlay line was not good tonight. Uh, it has been very good as of late. I mean, what did Lucic and 
um, Nugent Hopkins, they both had almost a point a game over the last 10, and, New- and Everly wasn't far off that. So I think the lines that you see tonight, other than maybe uh, one change on your fourth line here or there, these are the lines that you're going to see probably for the remainder of the season and into the playoffs. It's what the, the Oilers have had success with, and I honestly believe this is the best lineup the Oilers can put out there. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, now the the penalty killing, the excessive penalty killing would have a role in this too, Rob, but you were saying during the commercial, Everly played 11:49 tonight, the third least of anybody yep. on the team. So I think McClellan noticed that. that and I mean, for that, for that line, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion about them throughout the year. When they can get around the net, like most players, they're they're better. They they weren't around a net though that nope. tonight. I know I know Everly got knocked down on the one goal that led to the trans the Raquel goal at the other end of the rink. So. But I mean, that's that's a six foot four, two hundred and thirty pound man pushing a guy down. It happens all the time, and that was just one mistake of a few that happened on that play. Uh, but to me, Everly and Nugent Hopkins have to be better in the offensive zone. Yep. That's where they've got to create, and tonight they weren't. It was a, it was an off night for that line, and uh, one of the reasons the Oilers weren't able to pull out a victory. Leon Dreisaitl with a goal and an assist tonight. He has 11 points over the course of a five-game point streak. Back to Anaheim. Here's Leon. That was just little mistakes, I guess. Um, it's just... Um, yeah, that we played pretty good actually. Maybe in the second we uh, we let off the gas a little too much, but um, you know they're a good team, and um, obviously uh, you got to give some cre- uh, credit to them too. Because you probably should have been up in the first period. Shot 53 at one point, yet but you look at the work. Lock is 2-2 up. Yeah, um, you know sometimes that's just that's just how it is. Um, uh, you don't you don't convert on your chances, and um, but. Yeah, again, I thought we, we played okay, and um, you know, sometimes you, you you just gotta give some credit to the other team too. How important is this game in the playoff race, the positioning? Well, it's really important. Though. Um, I think that everyone knows how tight the standings are, and everyone knows what's 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 going on. So um, obviously it was a big game, but uh, we got a lot of a lot of more uh, big games ahead of us. It'd be the team you play in the first round too, but it was because it was seeming, seeming like okay. And I was thinking, okay, we could be playing the orders, so we want to make sure after the first period we show our best game too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. Yeah, that's probably how it is. Leon Dreisaitl, a man of few words tonight as the Oilers lose 4-3 to the Anaheim Ducks. We don't get to turn on the Japanese Village goal light on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. We do do it whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village, downtown south side and north side. 4-3, Ducks take it. You can chime in 780-496-0063. We have comments from Connor McDavid coming up. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranis Team Broadcast Center. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. From the Terry Peranis Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Hey, thanks a lot for staying up with us. It is 11.36, along with former NHLer Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. You can call 780-496-0063, text 630-630. Anaheim beating the Oilers 4-3 tonight. They got a big goal late in the first period. They completely dominated the Oilers in the second frame. Mark Letestu, a goal with 
I guess now they've listed it officially with... Eight seconds left? Seven, well, it? now it says 1953 on the game sheet, so... Seven seconds I left? I thought they'd put eight seconds on the clock. But the, that's though, what so. the ref announced, so... But that... Window dressing. No. Goal. I mean, well, I mean, nice goal, but hey, and you know maybe what? offside. Yeah, it might have been offside. We don't know because we didn't get to see it. But what was really good in Anaheim's part after that, the Oilers, they have eight seconds. They've got a six on four with eight seconds to go in the period. Face off at center. And I, I wish I remembered who took the face off for, for Anaheim. I think it was Kessler. Was it, it Kessler? And fired it straight down. I mean, he a, came out of the box. A yeah. great, a, a great face-off by the Anaheim Ducks. I was thinking he's going to try and pull it back. The Oilers trying to win the face-off and at least get a scoring chance. But the Anaheim Ducks, I believe Kessler shot the puck straight down into the offensive zone, just nullifying any chance the Oilers had for a miracle comeback. So, uh, the Oilers just a little too, little too late for uh, their comeback and just weren't good enough. They weren't detailed enough, and they weren't uh, good enough in the battle areas tonight to win in Anaheim. I want to mention that uh, Sherwood Park's Sam Steele, who's an Anaheim prospect, has been named the WHL Eastern Conference Player of the Year. He had 131 points in 66 games. 131 points, Rob, as you called it in your WHL career, a good month. <laughs> I've, uh, I've seen Sam Steele play. He is a good hockey player. I haven't seen him play in a while, but I watched him when he was in the Bantam tournament. I heard Bob talking. He was around the same time as Tyson, Yost, and... Um, uh, Benson, yep. they all played the same time. There were some pre- in Quenville. There were some really yeah, good, right. really good hockey players that came through Alberta at that time. Sam Steele is a dynamite young hockey player that we're going to see soon in the National Hockey League. Uh, this texture says is the poor output from Nugent Hopkins and Eberle in any re- way related to Hall's absence. Uh, I don't think so. I think. Well, yes and no. I mean, I when uh, they were a line. A couple a of years. Lot of they, times, yeah. So I mean, Hall Hall was the driver on that line. He was their best player, and Nugent Hopkins and Everly both t- at that time were playing first line minutes, first line power play, five on threes, empty nets, and a lot of it was. I mean, Taylor Hall was the best player on that line. So yeah, I, I do believe they benefited from Taylor Hall. Having said that, I don't think as. Uh, is un Nugent Hopkins like or un Everly like seasons they're having this year is all on the loss of Hall. I think some of it's just they're having off years. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three three goals for the Oilers tonight. That means a seventy five dollar donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast paced world. They give twenty five bucks for every goal the Oilers score throughout the season, and you can track the total on the Oilers page on six thirty ched dot com. Just two other games in the NHL tonight. The Islanders beat the Rangers three two. The Maple Leafs beat the Blue Jackets. 5-2, and those are important games if you look at the Eastern Conference for a second here, Rob, on the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard. So the Leafs pass Boston to go into third in the Atlantic, so that drops Boston down to a wild card position just two points up on the Islanders, who are the best non-playoff team in the East. And then the Islanders have a game in hand on the Boston Bruins as well, so uh, both both sides, the East and the West, have got some fantastic uh, finishes uh, for standings, the one, two, three in the divisions, as well as the wild cards. So it's going to be an exciting finish. The importance of these games down the line here are huge, and we in Edmonton are going to benefit from some great playoff hockey here in the final nine games as the others try a to win the division title, b hopefully get a home ice advantage in the first round, or c 
make the playoffs. This texter says Rob Brown had a 212-point junior season. Geez, sign him up. Yager is still playing. <laughs> I played with Yogs. Yogs his rookie year. I I was really good today when I was playing against my high school kids. <laughs> and but I swear, after half an hour, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. So no, I uh, uh, those 212-point days are long, long, long away. Uh, this texter says, any chance Pitlick could be in the lineup come playoff time? I I don't think so. No, my son just had ACL reconstruction as well, and it's six months to a year rehabilitation, so Pitlick will not be playing. Yeah, all right. 780-496-0063. We have Dave on the line. Hey, Dave, thanks for calling. Hey, guys. Uh, it's kind of nice. I'm calling from Victoria, uh, but I uh, watch my, the game with my uh, with my boys, and uh, yeah, after, it's nice uh, when we're thinking, oh, after a loss like that, that oh, well, you know, it, they're still, I think, 12 up on L.A. They're going to be in the playoffs. But it's interesting looking now at what lineup changes. What do you think for tomorrow? Do you think we see Benning, uh, maybe Kyra, and maybe Handy, you know, move three guys back in the lineup? Well, to me, Benning's in for sure. I I mean, I I don't take Benning out of the lineup if I'm coaching. I I just think he brings more than Griba. I think especially not just because a lot. You, not just because you, he was in your hockey camp. Well, that's part of it. I like the kid. <laughs> I do like him. But what I what I see, and a lot of the times when, uh, and I saw it tonight a few times, the nurse Griba pairing was out there at the same time as the McDavid group. And I think that if Benning is on the ice at that time, he's more apt to make the good offensive play, to jump up in the play, to get the puck at the right place, to be in the right place, than a Griba. That's just not Griba's game. He's, he's a big, strong, mean defenseman that's very defensive. So when he's out there with McDavid, he doesn't add as much as a Benning would. So that's why I like Benning in the lineup. As for... No, he might... I think he's probably one of the best uh, passers of the puck. Maybe not transporters, but he makes a great first pass. You're, you're right. I, what I think is he, he might be one of the smartest, if not the smartest, of the D-men and making offensive plays. I think he understands the game well. Now, his skating is, might not be as good as a, a, a sacker, and he doesn't have the shot as, of a cleft bomb, but he thinks the game very well. So that's mm-hmm. what I like about him. As for on your fourth line, I, I would not be shocked if a Hendricks was back in the lineup. Or, I mean, or a Kerr. I mean, just... He hasn't played for a while. He hasn't played in a while. Maybe this is your chance to put him in there. But it's funny, because most of the times it's it's your sixth defenseman or your fourth-line players that get switched in and out, and they really... The wins and losses aren't really based on what they've done in the game. Right. But I think that what McClellan has shown is he wants nobody sitting for long periods of time, and sometimes he changes just to get a guy back in the lineup so he's, if there is an injury, they're not going to be coming in stale in a playoff game. Thanks, Dave. We appreciate it. 780-496-0063. We also have Tim on the line. Hey, Tim, thanks for calling. Hey, how's it going? Hey, we're doing great. Uh, good. But do you think that, you know, because Anaheim just dumb, eh? They're so, they kept us, to, like to the boards and everything else. Do you think that maybe if we would finish a check once in a while, huh? Really? Yeah. Well, the, the Oilers did not. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. The Oilers did not check well enough tonight. I mean, they did. I mean, one of the phrases that I love that McClellan used is, you know, you got to play inside the other team's equipment. They weren't. They weren't getting there tonight. They they weren't getting over top of the puck, and as a result, they didn't have the puck a lot. Exactly. So now another question, different topic, is who's going to play in net tomorrow night? I, I believe it'll be Talbot. 
I, I just think the game, the importance of the game, they don't want to lose a game on the road and get into a two-game losing streak when they need these points as badly. And Talbot, to me, gives them their best chance of winning. And to me, Talbot plays. All right. Oilers lose 4-3 to the Ducks. Back to Anaheim. Connor McDavid with three points tonight. Connor, they say those uh, goals at the, late at the end of the period can be a dagger for team. Did you see that that may have been when the Ducks started to pick up their moments? I think so, yeah. Um, you know, those goals are, are tough to swallow, um, especially on the road up 2-1 in a tough building. So, um, you know, we uh, came out a little bit weak in the second, and they took advantage. But should have been up a couple of goals probably in the first period where you played. Yeah, we played great in the first period. Um, great in chances. Um, you know, but we got to figure out a way to continue doing that. Um, yeah, it's a good first period, but you know we can learn from that. You're so fast, you know, when you're out in the ice, and particularly that goal. What was it that did they they take that away in the second period? Or did it somehow slow you down a bit? Or uh, I don't really know how to answer that. Um, they're they're a tough defensive team, and, and uh, you know they they're uh, you know, tough to generate offense again. So, um, you know, but uh, I thought our team did a good job uh, of finding ways to produce and. Um, no, we just uh, no, didn't shut it down enough. Did it seem like a playoff type atmosphere? Lots of bodies flying, lots of anger up there. Oh, I've never played in the playoffs, so I don't really know what it's like. Um, I would imagine that's as close as you're going to get. Um, but um, there's definitely uh, you know, a, lot of, uh, a lot of stuff going on out there. All right, that's Connor McDavid. The Oilers come up short 4-3 in Anaheim. We'll get to Darcy on the open line when we get back. It's Canadian Brewhouse. Overtime open line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. Live from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Final score tonight, Ducks 4, Oilers 3. That does it for the Oilers' four-game winning streak. And the Ducks move two ahead of Edmonton, sole possession of second place in the Pacific Division, along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Just uh, some other stats for tonight. Oilers go 1-for-5 on the power play. Ducks were 0-for-5. Anaheim, the best face-off team in the league. Oilers, the worst. Anaheim, uh, it was actually close in the circle tonight. Anaheim won 52%, 33 out of 63. The crazy stat of the evening is that Ryan Getzlaff was 8% in the face-off circle. He won 1 out of 12. Yeah, I I did not notice that during the game, but that was shocking. Shocking when uh, a player, if, you know, he, he's a guy you would expect to be dominant, especially against a team that's dead last in the NHL, and he wasn't tonight. So if this is a two teams that do play each other in the playoffs, there's something to watch. Vermette was dominant, as expected for Anaheim. He won 16 out of 21 for 76 so there you go. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll bring Darcy into the show. Hello, Darcy. Hey, what's up, boys? Just just chilling, buddy. Just chilling. All right, man. <laughs> hey, uh, this offside thing, man. Like, what a debacle. Um, is the, do you think the NHL will will do anything to clarify before the playoffs start? I don't I, think they will. No. I mean, and then at the GM meetings, it's, it sounds like it's going to be status quo for next year. Well, yeah, but you've got to start to clarify what's offside and what's not. I mean, you know, the Hartman goal in overtime against the Leafs, yeah, he's got possession of the puck, but you're still, your skates are all, like I've always been taught, once your skates are over the blue line, the puck's not, 
it's an offside. Well, well in the, in that right. one, I know the one you're talking about. That one, the rules: if you can, if you your skates can go over the blue line before the puck, if you have control of the puck. That that's always been in there, and you. I've seen. There's a game not not too long ago against the Oilers, a team. The guy skated backwards across the blue line, carrying the puck. So the puck came like about three feet behind the behind his body, and that's fine. Yeah, the Hartman one though, his his feet came in. He had control of the puck, but then he passed it, and his feet were inside the blue line. He didn't have control of the puck, and the puck still hadn't crossed the blue line. Mm-hmm. So that's what. And they what, still say it's a good goal. Yeah, and they still said it was good. That was the one that shocked me because he did not have the puck. He never brought the puck across the blue line. So I uh, that one I was uh, baffled by. To me, that was and, and, it, that one was a one hundred percent okay offside. They're gonna, you know. The goal's not going to count. It's going to keep on going. So I don't understand it. There's been a couple other I've seen highlights, and I still don't understand those ones. So I I don't know if they... I mean, the, the, the referees seem to think it's okay. They're making the right calls. So the clarification would have to be to the fans, because there's a lot of fans, and obviously Randy Carlisle tonight, to explain why these are goals or not goals, because as fans and analysts and coaches, we don't seem to understand. Well, and that's the problem is if the coaches and the players don't know, yep. it, it, you know, it can cause you or cost you a timeout. Well, it so costs you. Yeah. If it's an offside, you, you go to, to, to say, okay, we'll review it. And then they say, oh, no, it's good. And it's clearly not good or it doesn't look good to anyone else that, you know, doesn't fully understand that you can, you can skate across the blue line, have possession of the puck, and then bring the puck in. Yeah, so I'd, I'd be okay, fine if they just got rid of the, the line. Pardon me? Walk the line then? If you got possession of the puck, okay, if the rules are you can enter the zone with your skates first, as long as you have possession of the puck, could you walk the line with the puck on the outside? Like, where does the, where does the line get drawn in the sand? Well, yeah, you could walk because the, the blue line itself is always onside. It's always to the advantage of the offensive team. And then it's once the puck crosses where the offensive player is in relation to the puck, right? Like, offside is actually not a moving play it's a freeze frame of the instant the puck crosses the blue line but it's a freeze frame that we're just not understanding where they're freezing the frame because yeah, it's, I mean this it, when you have just, I, just take it out just take the review out I, I mean, agree I, yeah. I don't understand it either if, if it's millimeters apart who cares then it's if to me if the naked eye can't tell you and these these linesmen are good they're good they are very very good if their naked eye cannot find fault in what you did, then let's 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 play on and allow the goal to count. All right, we're winding her down here. It's coming up to midnight. We we got about a minute for Hal though. Hal, go ahead. Hey, uh, I was just wondering how how you rate the uh, officiating on a one scale. How would you think it was done tonight? Well, I thought they missed a high stick on Nurse. I think uh, oh, sure. I know yeah, I know, was, I know Rob agrees with that. Uh, I mean, other than that, I thought not too bad though, right? Overall, yeah. I think it was actually one of the better ones that we've seen in the last little while. Uh, they were fine. I, I don't think the referees uh, decided the game, and I think that's the key thing: is you want the players to decide yeah. it, not the referees. And I, I, was, I was actually enjoyable that they actually let them play for a bit too. Like they didn't just you know, yeah, give them all these little tidbit type uh, calls. More like playoff refereeing is what we saw tonight, where yeah. they let things go a little bit more. There were ten penalty calls. Um, 
10 power plays, sorry, 12 penalty calls because there were coincidences. I mean, Manson threw the puck, Kessler, <laughs> tra- I mean, uh, Griba's was interference, Larson's, well, they called it slashing, could have been high sticking, yeah. Letestu got the stick up, I, I mean, I think. Yeah, the, the, the ref thing was fine. The stuff they, yep. besides missing nurse, I think everything they had to call, they did call. Thanks for calling. All right, uh, we're coming up to the midnight news. we got to wind down the show here. The Oilers lose 4-3 to the Ducks. We're back on tomorrow, 5.30 for the face-off show, 7 o'clock for the drop of the puck. Oilers at the Avalanche as they'll try to get back in the win column. You can always get more on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Thanks to our studio producer this evening, Kellen Kennedy. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center.